Live from the offices of Great River Investments in the beautiful city of Burlington, Iowa, this is the Marvin Knows Finances Show. I am your host, Marvin Thompson, your certified financial planner, and joining me today is Joe Jolin of Jolin Media in West Burlington, Iowa, Todd Slatke, CPA, and my partner, Great River Investments, and our special guest today, attorney Mio Santiago of Kozlowski Law Group in Burlington, Iowa. Thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day to listen in, and for all you listeners on Google Podcasts and Spotify, don't forget to click the subscribe button. If you prefer to see how we make this show come together, please check out our YouTube channel, Marvin Knows Finances, and click subscribe there as well. Just like the last and every time, I have to take care of a little business before we get moving too far forward to please my compliance department. Marvin Thompson is an investment advisor representative and a registered representative with Brokers Financial member SIPC. Opinions expressed in this program do not necessarily reflect those of Brokers Financial. The topics discussed and opinions given are not intended to address the specific needs of any listener. Great River Investments, LLC, does not offer legal or tax advice. Listeners are encouraged to discuss their financial needs with the appropriate professional regarding your individual circumstances. So, gentlemen, welcome, everybody. Thank you for being here today. Good morning. Thanks for having me. How are you all doing? We're doing great. Good. Everybody ready for the holidays? No. Yeah. No? (laughs) I'm right there with a no group right there. So, Uh, we're going to start out, as we usually do, with our question of the week. And the question of the week, of course, is tying in really nicely to our topic today, which is estate planning basics. So, the question of the week is, do I need an estate plan? And if so, what does it entail? So when Todd and I always do our financial planning uh, work with our clients, we definitely focus a little bit on the estate planning piece of it, okay? Um, Obviously, we're not attorneys, so we don't delve into it, but we do ask the questions about the wills. Um, We do ask questions about the power of attorneys and so forth. And Mia was kind enough to join us today um, to hopefully make this topic a little bit more clearer. So Mia, would you like to start out by giving some background about yourself and the law group and uh, where you're located at and how they reach you? Sure. Um, my name is Mio Santiago. I'm an attorney here with the Kozlowski Law Group. Uh, we are a full-service uh, law firm here in Burlington, Iowa. I practice uh, primarily in the areas of estate planning, uh, probate, elder law, and real estate. Um, we are uh, a, uh, an attorney-led uh, firm here in, in Burlington, and we also have a satellite office in Fort Madison. Perfect. How do they uh, how do they reach it? Website, phone number. Yeah, uh, www.causelawllc.com is the website. Uh, the phone number is three one nine seven five three six two zero one. Okay. So when we meet with clients, sometimes it's it's funny to see the wide range of emotions <clears throat> that are behind um, estate planning and what people think of estate planning. Sure. Um, a lot of times, people don't want to face the inevitable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that comes along with this. So can you kind of explain how you address the emotions behind the estate plan when people come to you and what do you say to them and yeah. so forth? Uh, absolutely. First of all, you, when I have a client come in or potential client come in, I, I applaud them just for that very fact. Uh, uh, one's mortality is pretty, a pretty daunting uh, topic to think about. But once you get past that, um, you know, I'll start a conversation with them and say, is it important to you you know, when you pass to make things easier for those you leave behind? Or do you want to leave a mess? You know, they're already grieving uh, for your loss. And then they have to go to the next step and figure out what happens to your stuff. Mm -hmm. And if your stuff is here, there and everywhere, and they don't know anything about it, and it wasn't planned properly, you've just added a heck of a lot more stress um, on their plate. 
versus if you have a, a well thought out and well planned out estate plan, um, though it's never going to be a pleasant process for them, it will be a lot easier. And, and probably most importantly, your wishes will be uh, adhered to and followed. Okay. When, when people hear the phrase estate plan, I really think that they don't understand that everybody technically has an estate. Yeah. I mean, obviously there's smaller ones, there's larger ones and so forth. So um, it's kind of a dumb question right off the bat, but are <clears throat> estate plans only for the rich? No. Uh, estate plans are for people. If, if you have uh, any things that you want to leave to loved ones or you know, other people. Anything. Anything. Um, yeah, you know, an estate, and this might go a little bit off of our outline a little bit, but it, how I approach estate planning, there are three pillars, and we can delve into them later, um, three pillars of estate planning. The first one is what happens to your stuff? You know, when you die, what happens to your stuff? And that's probably what sticks out in people's minds as a will or a trust. And so that's where people uh, probably think an estate plan is. That's only one piece or one pillar. The other two pillars that, that put people might not think about as much is, hey, um, that, that deals with death, but what happens if you're, you've become incapacitated? and can't make decisions on your own. And what really comes to mind are decisions for finances. You know, life goes on, even if you're in a permanent vegetative state, someone still has to make your finances go and pay your bills and, and be able to make transactions on your behalf. Um, and so that's the second pillar, what happens to your, or who can take care of your finances. The third is who can make medical decisions on your behalf. You know, who, who gets to communicate with the doctors, get access to your medical records to, to make decisions, uh, you know, if you're unable to do that. So, you know, it's a comprehensive thing. It's not just, hey, my will, you know, my stuff will go to this person. Hmm. So that, that's why everyone needs an estate plan. Okay. So age-wise, when should people start looking at doing this? You know, I, I, once you're 18. 18? Yeah, really? once you're 18 because you have... You have things. Mm -hmm. you, you have, uh, you're an adult. Your parents can't make those decisions for you. Um, but we want to. But would want to. <laughs> and, and exactly. Um, and so, you know, to use the, it might be a bit of a morbid thought, you know, no one wants to think of uh, anything bad happening to their children. Your child gets in a car accident. He, he or she is, you know, in college. The hospital doesn't have to and often won't communicate with you or let you make decisions because you have, you know, other than being a parent, which sounds crazy, you know, he, he or she is a legal adult. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that could just open up a whole can of worms if you had the wrong, um, medical providers that really held you to that. It could be, you know, pretty troublesome. So even, even though you're, uh, you're as the parent, you might be covering that child on your health insurance until That's they're exactly 25, 26 years old. what I was old. thinking. Yeah. You know, my daughter will be on my insurance until she's 26. <clears throat> mm -hmm. Are you telling me that if she doesn't have a power of attorney naming me as her power of attorney, I can't possibly make decisions for her? There's that possibility. That wow. <clears throat> or even go in and get a copy of something, you know, a claim comes through. I, I've experienced this a little bit, but a claim comes through and, you know, I'm carrying that child, that adult child. 
and I, I, I want the record, not for any bad reason, but just, you know, for whatever reason, and uh, can't get it. Wow. Yeah. Very interesting. So the, well, the you, just you know, a flaw in my own plan. So. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> well, pretty much once you're 18, I think at the very least, you know, again, using the comprehensive view of what an estate plan is, yeah, you should at least have powers of attorney in place at the very least. Gotcha. It would be a great Christmas present from parents to kids. Oh, they'd love that. Yeah. Great stocking stuffer. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So. Um, like I said, some of the basic things that we cover are wills, power of attorneys, mm-hmm. living wills, things like that. I want to spend some time kind of going through specifically what each one does, sure. if you're okay with that. So let's start out with a basic will. Okay. Okay. Now, I've always told clients, look, if you don't go out and get your own will, the state will provide one for you. Yeah. It, it, yeah. So, so let's talk about why you'd want to go out and get your own will versus what the state will give you. Sure. It, it, you know, you want a basic will. So your wishes, your wishes are followed. Um, what does a will do? A will uh, is directions to uh, the, the, your heirs who you leave behind and to the court, excuse me, um, as to what happens to your things, uh, what expenses you want paid upon your death, um, and who makes, uh, you know, who's the driver who kind of guides this process as the executor. Okay. Um, with a simple will, um, the bequests are bequests are your what people would think the inheritance. You know, mm-hmm. the inheritance that you're giving someone goes directly to that person straight away. Um, with a simple will, uh, you would go through the probate process, um, which involves the court. Um, it's it's a long, long process. Nine months to a year is average for a quick probate. Um, you know, some people, uh, and I, I guide my clients to, to potentially avoid it because it, it is a longer process, and it's a public process. Um, what people don't think, you've probably seen in the newspapers, uh, the notices of probate. You know, the estate of Joe Smith has been opened. Anyone, any creditor who feels that they're owed money has four months from the date of this publication to file a claim. You know, that's just one piece of how public it is. I could get on uh, the computer system, uh, the court computer system now, and access anyone's estate that was open from, I think they went live in 2013 to present, and, you know, on my computer figure out what that person died, who died, owned at the time of their death. They've, you're required to file a report in inventory, which is a listing of all your assets, you list who all of your heirs are. So, I mean, just think about that. It's it's akin to walking down the street and someone saying, hey, could I take a look at your fin- personal financial statement? You know, how do you feel about that? So, so a couple things. So, on the wills, um, you hear stories of people writing wills out on napkins and things like that in kind of unique situations. You know, right at the end, something changes. They can't get out of the hospital to go see an attorney. Mm-hmm. Are those recognized by the court? <clears throat> not, not usually. Uh, okay. Those are called, considered holographic wills, which okay. aren't necessarily provided. I, I mean, there are certain formalities that need to be followed uh, for a will to be um, identified in Iowa as a valid will. Okay. All right. And the second thing is, is we've had a family member die, and apparently there was a notice of an estate put into the newspaper. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, 
suddenly this family member started receiving letters from strangers saying, hey, the person who died owed me $6,000. Mm-hmm. So I think this opens up a huge potential for scammers. Yeah. Um, so to be very careful on that. Yeah. Because uh, we've personally experienced that. Right. It was crazy. And, and, and the, you know, the, the process, and you probably went through it, is they they would have to file the person, the creditor, the alleged creditor, it sounds like, in your situation, would have to file a formal claim with the court. And that would go to the executor and for, for the executor either to admit or deny the claim. Yeah. And then no. if you deny it, then they have to come and show their work and prove it. Yeah. No, this was a complete scam. Yeah. So we, uh, we picked up on that pretty quickly. Yeah. So, all right. Power of attorneys. Yep. So there's different types of power of attorneys. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's financial, mm-hmm. there's health power of attorneys, mm-hmm. there's general power of attorneys, there's durable power of attorneys. Sure. Okay. So <clears throat> what's, you know, between the durable and the general power of attorney, one lasts until incapacitation, right? Mm-hmm. And the other one lasts for their lifetime. Correct. All right. So which one do you recommend? Uh, the lifetime. The lifetime? Yeah. Which uh, is the durable, right? Right. Okay. Because um, if you think about it, that's probably when you need it the most. Um, you know, you want, it's called substitute, um, decision-making mm-hmm. is when you, re, you know, you're unable to make those decisions and you want to be able to appoint someone, um, you know, while you're competent to make those decisions on your behalf, you want the say, um, because in order to execute a power of attorney, you yourself need to be competent. So, um, if someone came to my office and, they say, oh, mom wants a power of attorney and, and mom's next to them and nothing is registering with mom. Uh, she's not able to sign that power of attorney. Gotcha. So, so the thought process is you do it while you're confident to prove to the world and, and particularly the court that you're, you know, when you were of sound mind, you consciously decided to put this other person in charge of your affairs, whether it's your finances or your medical. Okay. So a durable financial power of attorney and a durable healthcare power of attorney. You know, I, I don't really make that much of a distinction because I don't give my clients the choice. It, we just we do financial power of attorney that upon your incapacitation, mm-hmm. you know, we you can either make it effective immediately mm-hmm. or upon some triggering event such as if uh, a physician determines that I am or two sometimes two physicians or you know whatever triggering event mm-hmm. um, that. That it, yeah, it carries through in your through your incapacitation. Okay. Um, do you almost always recommend a family member to be your power of attorney? Not because, necessarily. Okay. Uh, not necessarily. Um, There's it, situations it, with distance and mileage and you and know family dynamics. Family and, dynamics. <laughs> um, For sure. Uh, you know, so some options are children, family members, trusted friends, um, trust departments of banks. Mm-hmm. Um, what those, about you? Can you serve as a power of attorney? I, I tend not to if I'm the one drafting the documents. Conflict. Um, yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Um, living wills. Mm-hmm. Um, can you explain what a living will is and why they're so important? Sure. Um, I remember I'm, I'm a child of the 90s child. I'd say that's when I went to college. Uh, think back. There was a, a court case, uh, Terry Shivo, a, a woman in Florida yep. who was in uh, considered. And, I, and I'm... Kind of paraphrasing the uh, the facts of the case, but permanent vegetative state uh, in Florida. Husband uh, said, you know, there's no way she would want to live like this. You know, he wanted to 
proceed with end of life. Her family um, said no. If there is even a, a slim chance that she she could survive, we want to try everything and keep her as, alive as long as we want. Um, went through numerous court cases, state, federal level, even I think the U.S. Supreme Court, uh, and ultimately the, the husband won out. Um, I think that that point in time is when living wills became in vogue mm-hmm. because had she simply executed a living will that basically, you know, basically a living will is a document that tells the world, um, I value the quality of life. I don't want to be kept alive by an extraordinary means if there's no likelihood that I'm going to survive. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to live in a permanent vegetative state. And that that's good enough to give direction to uh, you know, who you designate to make medical decisions on your behalf gotcha. to, to follow and to, to you know, how, how to proceed with that. Perfect. So having DNR tattooed on my chest is probably not good enough? No, okay. no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, trusts. So trust is something that we hear a lot from our clients. You know, it's, a trust has been recommended. Um, for one reason or another. And then, of course, there's, I'm going to just say there's two different types of trust. I know there's many different types of mm-hmm. trust, but I'm going to say the two different types of trust, uh, revocable and irrevocable trust. Mm-hmm. So first of all, do you believe as an attorney that everybody should have a trust, or is it something that a will and beneficiary designations will take care of? It, it depends, um, as the tr- any true lawyer would say. Um, <laughs> it, 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 really is, it really is fact dependent or fact specific to each person um, depending on the size of their estate um, the the characteristics of their beneficiaries so for example uh, when when we were talking about a simple will um, once uh, once you pass that that your your uh, your inheritance to them they get immediately yep. or not immediately but at least through the probate process um, think do you have family members who are minors? Do you have family members who are spendthrifts? Do you have family members that may have a gambling or substance abuse problem? Do you have uh, family members who have special needs and, and have uh, government aid and an inheritance could jeopardize that? Um, it, it, those are, are some of the reasons why sure. I get people into trust. So I, I always use the example, um, you know, think back to when you were 18 and you came into a large sum of money and uh, and you had access to it right when you turned 18. Um, if that were me, I'd probably have a 91 Camaro out in the parking lot, all rusted out, held together by various compounds of Bondo and other mm-hmm. things. Uh, I'd probably only have that and probably stories of a hell of a great time, but not much to show for it. Uh, with uh, going through a trust, you can structure your bequest, your the inheritance that you give to people on certain milestones. Uh, for example, um, to avoid the, pro- the the problem, you know, w- at different ages, and you probably see at different ages in life, people have different financial priorities. You know, when you're 18 is different than when you're 25 is different when you're 30. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one, one technique that I recommend to clients is you know, I know it's hard for you to even think about it, but little Jimmy and Sally are, are five and, and seven. Um, but let's do the best we can, look into our crystal ball, and maybe 
break up when they get their inheritance a little bit. We can do that with a trust by saying, you know, when they're 21, they might receive a third of that, you know, envisioning, oh, maybe that's when they graduate college, if that's their, the track for them. Or, and then maybe another third when they're 25, they might be wanting to buy their first home or getting married. Or 30, they're, they're starting a family. All guesses, you know, mm-hmm. probably, you know, optimistic guesses on our parts as to envision what our children's lives may look like. And as we all know, they probably take twists and turns that, that weren't even on our radar. But, you know, by doing that, it kind of uh, might mitigate some of the potential damage that they could do. Sure. Um, you know, so, so that's an important part. Same thing, you know, someone who has a substance abuse problem. You know, do you want to give them a large sum of money or do you want someone as a trustee to oversee that um, to kind of have the discretion? Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the other one that people don't think about is special needs. Uh, people with special needs who are on, on government benefits, if they run into a sum of money, you could jeopardize that benefit and, you know, disqualify them from those benefits for a time and your $20,000 inheritance to them pales in comparison to the benefits that they would have lost. Yeah, absolutely. So um, a revocable <coughs> trust means you can make changes. You can make changes. I, I use the extreme example with my clients uh, as we're sitting down to sign their trust. You know, this is revocable. Uh, you can change this at any time. You could sign sign this now, and before the ink's dry, you could tell me, no, I want to cancel this whole thing. And then I would just draft a revocation and it, it would be null and void. Null and void. Gotcha. Or, you know, we sign it and, oh, you know, I don't want to give Billy that amount and I want to change that. Then we could do a codicil and change that. Gotcha. And then irrevocable or irrevocable? Irrevocable. Uh, you, it's not truly irrevocable. It is, but it isn't. It's a lot more difficult. You would either have to get court approval or... Uh, approval from all the beneficiaries but you know the purpose of that is uh, you know if there's a reason that you got into an irrevocable trust um, you know you're, you're doing that for a reason to, to to devoid you of most of the control and it's it's usually for Medicaid or tax you know, estate tax purposes estate yep. yep estate planning purposes for sure all right so earlier we addressed probate mm-hmm. you've already kind of touched upon sure. you know what is probate how does it work and yep. so forth so um, so a big question is what assets are included in a person's estate when they die? Okay. Um, anything that doesn't have um, a payable on death or transfer on death uh, designation, um, any real estate that is owned as a joint tenant, because okay. those would pass as operation of law. Okay. So, but pretty much anything else would be considered... So an IRA, for example, would have a beneficiary listed on it. Correct. In most cases, it should have a beneficiary listed on it. Right. That does not become part of the estate because it passes outside of probate. Correct. So the the misnomer, not the misnomer, but the the confusion that, that, um, that lies out there is... Yes, it's it's not passed through the estate, meaning a judge doesn't have to approve the transfer of your IRA to your beneficiary, but it's still includable in your um, in your in your estate for the purposes of reporting for uh, estate tax reasons. Do attorneys bill 
on those assets that are in IRAs and stuff like that that pass outside of the estate? It is it is part of the what the attorneys or most attorneys okay. fees are because it's based on a percentage of the gross estate okay. for the purposes of estate tax. So yeah, gotcha, gotcha. And so, that's why that's why uh, you know uh, a revocable trust may be a good idea. Okay, very good. Um, so when you're setting up your estate plan, mm-hmm. um, you're going to name an executor. Correct. The person who is responsible for settling the estate when you're when you're gone. Right. All right. Um, what are their responsibilities? I mean, it's a pretty lengthy list, actually. It is. Um, you know, they're your representative. They're re- representing your estate. So they're contacting all of your creditors. They're working with Social Security. They're working, um, y- you know, uh, the general term is they're marshalling your assets, figuring out everything you owned at the time of your death, uh, figuring out who you, what debts you owed, uh, working with the attorney to put together the report and inventory, tracking down your heirs, which to most of us, yeah, I know where my brother lives and, and I know where, you know, my parents live and, and, uh, but you know, some families are estranged and then we, we'd have to work with them. We, as the attorneys would have to work with them to figure out mm-hmm. how do we find these people mm-hmm. to let them know that, that they have an inheritance. Um, you know, so the, the executor would work very closely with the attorney who's who's probating the estate. Um, uh, but yeah, it, it is it is a lengthy list of responsibilities, and and like I mentioned earlier, it it, it hangs out there for a time. Yeah. You know, a quick one is nine months to a year. Really. Um, I have some that are uh, uh, several years in. Wow. Um, so. Okay. Does the executor have to be a family member? No. Can it be a third party? It can be whoever you want. So the person you like least mm-hmm. <laughs> is the one you want. No. <laughs> well, and that brings up a good point. You know, so sometimes people will come in to me and say, well, I would just uh, it, like my three children to be co-executors or my three children to be co-trustees. I try and dissuade them from that because then there's no chief. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's in my example there's three people who have the same authority um and and that can just paralyze it's not the, majority rules not necessarily exactly. I, I mean everyone has their uh, even if it is i mean okay then that just think that's two against one mm-hmm. are there going to be good feelings there um so i i recommend to my clients and try and persuade them pick one mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't necessarily need to be the oldest. It doesn't necessarily need to be, you know, whoever lives the closest. It's who's ever the most responsible because it's a, there's a particular type of trait that someone needs to, to, to be an executor. And it's, you know, fairly detail oriented and, uh, you know, good with follow up. Gotcha. Um, a big important thing is how, does the executor get paid? The, the executors can uh, get uh, get a fee. Is uh, that listed in the will or the trust? As a, if you're yeah, a trustee, it, that could be specific there. But statutorily, they're also entitled to up to two percent of the gross estate. Two percent of the gross estate. Same so as if you the have attorney. Five hundred thousand dollars estate, mm-hmm. you could take up to ten thousand dollars. Correct. Okay. Very good. Um, what about costs for setting up an estate plan? I know every law firm is going to be different, but mm-hmm. do you have like a general ballpark? I mean. 
like so for example we got people listening right now like i need to update my will mm-hmm. i need to get some power of attorneys in place living will and so forth right um i know trusts are going to cost a little bit more money because mm-hmm. of the overall process of setting them up but right what type of fees are people looking at in general yeah you don't have to quote your own fees by you know case. i i think a good rule of thumb uh you know going from just simply doing powers of attorney you know all the way up through uh, doing trust a good range between 400 and maybe 5,000 but I mean it could go it could be lower or it could be higher um, if you're at the $5,000 range you probably got a little bit more complicated estate with some needs that need to be addressed well, specifically well, think so of it how many people are have second marriages with children from first marriages um, you know or more detailed uh, bequests that they want to give people so it's very very fact specific. Gotcha. But yeah, that, I mean, that's I think that's a safe range, and and it could it could go higher too, depending on the complexity. Gotcha. Um, when people come in to see you, mm-hmm. we're going to ask you for your website and phone number again sure. before we get off here. Um, what do they need to bring with them? What's the process that you're going to go through with them? Sure. I, I mean, the first the first time I meet with people, um, you know, I don't like to necessarily encumber them and say you need to bring A B C D E F G because I mean it it could be a fairly lengthy list. Uh, my approach when, when I meet with people is, do they even want to work with me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, because it is a, a sensitive topic. It, you, you need to work with someone that you trust and that you like. Um, so, so that first meeting is, is just them kicking the tires mm-hmm. and, and me too. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I like right. to you work. You don't have to work with them. <laughs> right, right. So, you know, I can sense if we're going to work well together. Um, and then that's when I'll kind of give them their options of, you know, here are the different types of estate plans that we could go, go down or here are the different components. Um, and then kind of once we decide on that, that's when we'll, we'll get into, but I mean, things that you'll want to start looking at are, you know, past estate planning documents, past wills or trusts or powers of attorney, um, you know, for better or for worse, you know, it's a good time for them to get with people like you, Marvin, and say, hey, let's, who are my beneficiaries? Who have I designated? Oh, wow, I, I don't, you know, I'm not married to that woman anymore. Or I, we were giving some to, to this this guy. And, and you know, so if, if, if nothing else, it's a good reason to check that out. Yep. You know, so list of assets, uh, you know, bank accounts, uh, uh, investment accounts, um, deeds to homes, you know, to, to know how they're, they're, titled currently to make sure so it's you know part of the estate plan is kind of a, a checkup too of all of these things yep and we've actually brought we've actually came to appointments with our clients in your office previously you have and walked through this whole process with them mm-hmm. it's smooth it's simple it's you know it's a little emotional i think at times yeah, when you yeah. start thinking about it but it's a very good process so uh once again phone number and website please sure uh phone number 319-753-6201 uh website uh, www.kozlawllc.com. Perfect. All right. Um, Todd, you want to add anything to this? You've no, been taking I just, notes I, furiously. I, I am. I am. This is great. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I joke with Marvin. I'm one of your, uh, I'm, I'm a person who's not following your advice at all. So yeah. I, I know that about myself and I mean, we need to do something, but you know, my kids were age, uh, I think they were eight and four and that's the will we still have in place and they're now you know, 32 and 27. So they're still going to their aunt 
right? Um, as far as who gets possession of those kids, right? And they don't really like that, so we need to right. get that cleaned up. Um, but yeah, certainly things have changed in the last twenty-five years for our family, and I'm not really, I, you know, I'm I'm a, I'm a plumber whose pipe, pipes leak. You know, I'm I'm, I'm into the financial planning uh, side of things, but I um, I'm not doing a good job with my own estate plan. Well, and you brought up a great point. I know we're kind of towards the end, but uh, as anyone who has minor children, you get to designate who's, who's the guardian of those children should something happen to you. And that's a big driver. And, and I'm sorry I didn't bring that up sooner. But if you don't, somebody's going to designate it. Yeah. That's right. So, yeah, it's super important. So, um, once again, estate planning seems to be an overlooked part of the financial planning process, whether it's the emotional piece or the time piece or the cost piece, whatever it is. But it's something you, you have to do. Uh, because of what it means, it's just super crucial to have it in your life. So um, through this process here today, I, I I've seen a lot more links. Um, you know, and my my background is not uh, you know a whole career financial planning. So this is you know it's it's been more um, individual to me, and you know my training is more an accountant CPA type guy. Um, but I see the ties a lot better between a financial plan and an estate plan. Mm-hmm. I mean that one is a component of the other, and the other is a component of the other, and there are a lot of fingers that tie together there. Sure. You know, one, one thing, um, as I applaud people for coming in to see me and, and we've developed their estate plan, um, I remind them, this isn't the last time you're going to see me. It's not like on the infomercials. It's not a set it and forget it kind of deal. Um, every two to three years, you're going to get a friendly reminder from me. Hey, let's take a look at this again um, and see if it still fits with what your life is now and what you want. Yeah, absolutely. So, well, as usual, my heartfelt thanks goes out to all of you for listening today. Uh, special thanks to Joe Jolin, Todd Sladke, and Mio Santiago for joining me today and providing their amazing feedback and information. Um, Mio, we've already gone over how to get a hold of you, but if you want to throw one more plug out, let's sure. make your time worthwhile. Yeah, uh, com is the website. We want to hear from you folks, so please reach out to me by giving me a call at 319-576-2264 or visiting our website at www.greatriverinvestments.com and going to the Contact Us section of the site. I or a member of my team may be in touch with you shortly to discuss our next steps together. Thank you again for listening to the Marvin Knows Finances Show. This is Marvin Thompson, your certified financial planner. Have a great day.